There's a lot of info and terminology to learn when you're researching to buy an EV. To help make this process easier, today I'm loading up on information from OEM audio owner Paul O'Connor. Paul will be answering my questions to help get you up to speed on EVs. I'm Adrian Maidman, and this is the EV Quest podcast. Can you explain the difference between AC and DC charging? Okay. Um, what's the best way to do it? AC charging is your normal domestic supply, essentially. Um, so at home, you've got a... Most houses have a single-phase 63-amp uh, feed going into them, essentially. Uh, cars run on DC, which is direct current. Um, so when you've got power from your domestic charger into your car... There's an inverter in the car that puts into DC into the battery. That's why when you go to the big uh, stores like the ChargeNet, uh, the ZBP, uh, everybody else who's introducing a charging network, there's probably another one introduced by the time this podcast goes to here. Um, that's they have the big DC stations, and they will charge faster. You can get speeds between 50 to 350 kilowatts worth of DC electricity into your car at a time. If that sort of makes sense. So at home you charge on AC and uh, in a business situation like the big charging stations, they'll charge on DC and they'll like they'll start at 50 kilowatts. So that depends, oh, we'll get into it, it depends on the um, different rate. What are the different EV charging types? So in the AC form, which is the environment I operate in, there's two. There's type one, which is the Japanese... Uh, so it's called Type 1, it's the J1772 platform. And that's a single phase charge, and that's got the clicker on top of the handle. Essentially, every car that comes in from Japan is a Type 1 now. Like we get people in my front reception, gets people who do not believe them all the time, and then they put them through to me, and I tell them. So if you've got a car from Japan, there is a 99.94 probability, same as Bradford's batting average, that your car is a Type 1 if it's come from Japan, if it's come to Type 1. If it's come, if it's New Zealand new and it's made, sold in the last, wasn't made here, of course, but it was sold in the last three or four years, 99.94% is a chance it is a Type 2, with the exception of some Mitsubishi. So Type 2. So Type 2 looks like a D on its side, as my marketing manager refers to it. Type 2 has some advantages. Uh, it's obviously the European standard, which we've adopted here, and it can also charge on three phase. So if you had a public charging station, which is AC, you could potentially charge your car on three phase, which is obviously three three times as quick as a single phase charge. This one's like a piece of, bit of like how long the piece is string, but how long does it take to charge an EV? I see this coming. Um, so when we first started doing this, uh, back in 2016, I started doing this, we had 24 kilowatt hour Nissan Leafs, and they were pretty cool. And they would charge at eight amps, effectively on an eight amp, charger which is your three pin charger you can get 10 k's an hour out of your car and it's a simple man so if you've got a 16 amp portable charger or a wall charger like we sell you'll get 20 ish k's an hour out of it and if you can charge at that wonderful 32 amps you'll get about 40 k's into most cars obviously if you've got a bus or a truck which is not quite as efficient it'll be a little bit differently but for most cars the general rule of thumb is at 32 amps or 7 kilowatt feet is about 40 k's an hour it's just maths i mean we i people will ring and 
try and complicate it to me every single day. Um, but that is effectively the simple maths for it. What's the difference between kilowatts, kilowatt hours, and newtometers? Kilowatt kilowatts is usually you would describe as um, the size of your battery. Your battery is uh, got that's a forty kilowatt hour. Oh, still forty kilowatts. Forty kilowatt hour battery. Um, and your charging, your charger might deliver seven point two kilowatts, which is the hourly term. So, simple mass again. If you've got putting seven point two kilowatts in the forty kilowatt hour battery, you would divide it by that number, which is just under six, I think. Yeah, seven point two to forty. So, that's simply. So, if you've got a, if you've got two thirty, two thirty volt times sixteen amps is about three point six kilowatts. So. 3.6 kilowatts an hour is going into your 30 kilowatt hour car. It's about eight hours to charge it fully. How how long will the battery actually last if I'm out if I'm out driving? So I've had a few EVs, probably more than most. Um, obviously the Nissan, the original Nissan Leaf, bless it, and we still have a couple of them here. And we're about to put another one on. Um, it's called the Gong, which is the gasometer, and um, to describe it as an, as an approximation would be quite fair. Uh, if you drove it around town solely, you would, if it's at 120 k's, you'd probably get close to 120 k's. As soon as you touch a motorway speed, it would change. Now, there's, every brand pops out a different thing. So when you buy the latest, um, I think some of our brands from, from Asia uh, sort of originally came out with the um, NEDC distance which basically stood for, I think it was New Energy Distance Calculator, but everybody in the industry knew it as never equals the distance claimed. No. Uh, so if it said it would be 420 k's, uh, probably did 300 if you were lucky. So that that is up, that number is generally absurd. Um, the closest one is a WLPT one, and that's uh, the one they rely on in Europe mostly, and that's pretty pretty accurate, but... Electric cars, people monitor, monitor the energy in electric cars more than they ever have with a petrol car. Like, the way you watch these people posting on Facebook and sometimes cringe and they've calculated it to the nth degree and I sort of wonder perhaps some of them shouldn't get a hobby. But and no one no one says that, hey, the, the petrol car driving to Wanaka or Rotorua seemed a bit inefficient this time because there was a big crosswind and they had the aircon up really high. Petrol owners just don't seem to put the petrol in the now. No one seems to really mock. I, 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 for the majority of cars released recently, and uh, you like to see BYD, Kias, and that sort of stuff, the distance claimed, driven reasonably, uh, econ on a third of the time, is pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean, the, it's cold. Oh, yeah, you've obviously got heater, and it's the same, but same, same with the petrol car. You use a bit more fuel, you have heater on more. It's just the same, same thing. Once you've had the electric cars, you no, for a couple of weeks, you sort of get, get, get around it pretty quickly. Um, depends on the state of health of the battery, which is another another issue. What kind of service does an EV need? Our little leaf out there, a couple of leafs we've got here in the office, um, have, have probably subject to, as an experiment, of course, purely, uh, an amazing amount of neglect. Uh, we've put tyres on them, some wiper blades, and we've really done nothing else. I think we've done the reduction gear on one. So that, that car's, one of them's done... 
60,000 k's with us um, and we've done essentially nothing to it bar some tyres because it wins the travel at Grand Prix all the time and Stu uses it to tow his jet skis um, it's done nothing but each car is different like they they do have less moving parts and, they, and you don't have problems with valves and timing and all sorts of things but they do all have a service schedule BYD for example they have a service schedule for their cars as MG does and there are certain things they will check um, you've got a fairly complicated setup so the servicing cost should be a fraction of what a petrol car is over the length of the time but they still have moving parts that need to be maintained and checked for, for yours and everyone's safety involved so each each manufacturer has their own um, things that are on a service and then I remember when we had the MG that was very straightforward it was very cost effective compared to a petrol car uh, the key is seems very cost effective the Nissan's are next to nothing um, but this depends how that car's been set up by the manufacturer how do I set up home charging when you buy a an EV the vast majority of them will come with a three pin charger when you like I said you can charge at eight amps uh, we're we're in the middle of um, building one here in New Zealand, actually, but it'll charge at 8 amps, and that'll get you about 10 k's an hour. Now, for a lot of people, the spot where you read, that's actually enough. They get home, plug the car, and it, it puts 100, if they're not using the car for 10 or 12 hours, puts 120 k's of range into it, and that's fine for most people, and it is more than, more than enough. You can then go from what I believe is the most cost-effective thing to do is to get a caravan socket installed in your garage, and you get a... Um, caravan socket one we sell it's very cost effective thing you mount on the wall if you wish and that'll charge at 16 amps and that'll get most people 200 odd k's in a, in a night and that's plenty of range really and then if you want to get into it there we and us and a few other people do it of course you can get a 32 amp wall charger and that'll give you as i discussed 40 k's of range now i genuinely think though with a um you're going to put a 32 amp wall charge into your 63 amp house. One of the most important things to have on it is what's called dynamic load balancing. Whereas the sensor CT goes on the mains. And if you've got spark wall on, heat pump, you, can, you know, um, range or the ovens on, you can, and computers and everything, you can quickly go over that 33 amps of power you have left. So what the dynamic load does is, hey, you've got 31 hit and reduces the power available to the charger all seamlessly in the background and then when the um, draw on the home circuit goes down it, it, it allows it to creep back up and does it all seamlessly so and there's issues of course as more and more people will install a 32 amp because people seem to want to have their car charged all the time um, that there can potentially be a draw a drain on the local and I would talk when I refer to local I mean the neighbourhood circuit with people are um if you want charged in at nine o'clock at night because you get three hours of free power i can see that being an issue i can see the three hours of free power disappearing fairly yeah. next wee while but that's get something for electricity comes to work on and perhaps it's time for um some of those electricity ceos to spend some money on infrastructure if they plug it into the wall at home is there any sort of noticeable Cost. I've got a. Oh, okay, and I haven't just. I'm going to contradict contradict myself here. I've got one of those EV charging rates at home, which my wife signed me up for, and I'm paying. I don't want to 
I'm paying, I think, 11.5 cents a kilowatt hour at night over a certain time. So I reckon, I was in some back of an envelope calculations if I could find an envelope because no one seems to use them anymore. They just send you unwanted emails. Um, I reckon that if I charge overnight, it cost me about two and a bit cents a K to run that car of mine. And I can, if I charge it at work sometimes because I plug it in during the day because I'm going to do something, I reckon it costs me four cents a K to run the thing. So... I mean, and if you go to a public, a DC charging station, of course, you're, you're paying for the convenience, you're paying for the speed and everything. It's like bottled water. I don't know, you, can get, you can fill up your water bottle at home cheap, or you can, if you're too, too whatever happens you need, you've got to stop in the local servo and buy, paying a premium for the fact that someone's bottled it, cleaned it, and given you a brand new cup. That's what you're paying for. So I charge my car, the vast majority of the time I charge it at home. If I'm going away... I'll use the obviously the DC charging stations, but I I reckon it costs between two to four cents a k to run. And it's yeah, I mean if you're using doing solar as well, oh, yeah. we sell quite a few. We've got a um, solar integration kit for our chargers, and I must admit I'm surprised by how many we've sold. In fact, we've run out of the solar box, so yes, we've got another batch in order. So we there's quite a few people do it. And if you've got solar and you're um like. Probably run the car for nothing if you do it at the right time. There's a question I quite often see pop up is like, can I charge my car in the rain? Yep. So if you've got a, a wall charger, uh, yeah, you can. Like that. Once you well, the connection you type 2 to type 1, oh, sorry, your type 2 or your type 1 cable in your car, use that seals, that's pretty good. We always recommend with us or any other product, and an 8 amper portable charger, the weakest point is the, the control box in the center. Now, we always, if you're going to leave it outside, they are tested to a waterproof level, but they're not tested for nine months left outside negligently by some Kiwi that drags the thing across the ground and it gets hot and cold. Um, that's anything portable that using charge, I would always buy an enclosure. Now, we sell an enclosure for our uh, entry level chargers and they protect them pretty well. Uh, we've also recently uh, remodeled our entry level charger. We've basically um, Used a roofing silicon of all things to um, further seal it. Um, you've got to take care of your gear, like, and because the electricity industry has done such a wonderful job, most people haven't experienced electricity firsthand. And I don't think I think people have become very blasé about the safety of these things. You you want to make sure you're protected and your equipment's protected. So like a $30 enclosure to protect, protect your gear or putting your, if you're going to charge, if you have to charge outside, let's be fair, the first night you'll bring the charger inside and after two weeks, you're going to leave the thing outside in the rain because Kiwis are negligent. So if you're going to do that, protect your gear. That's all I can say. It's protect your gear. And just sort of following on from that, any general safety tips for charge? Oh, look, yeah. no, that's, look, so if you've, if you've got a charger put, you have to leave that, so you've got a carport and that's cool. night. No, I've really got on getting an EV. But just try and protect it. Like, don't leave the thing outside in the rain and the heat and the rain and the heat. Because after a while, New Zealand, we've got a pretty bad UV thing. They're not made out of roofing iron, these things. They're not designed to be left outside. Just just look after your gear. That's um, all I could say. If you're charging at home too, I suppose we get into your um, any, you know, charging safety and stuff like that. You might think your house is new. But it's probably 20 years old. And you plug into a three-pin plug the entire time and you've used it for a year and all of a sudden the charger doesn't work. 
often it's a pin or it's the earth and your pin has just gone in and out and it's plugged in for a long time it's got eight amps of douche going through it for 10 or 12 hours it can often be your plug we find that uh very common so like and plug it all the way and we noticed too with the 16 amp ones um the 16 of the caravan something people are familiar with people don't actually plug it all the way in they push it in and they don't complete the seal and it's um my own cousin did it, of course, the idiot. Uh, a brain the size of a planet, they couldn't even plug the fan properly. So it's quite important that you plug the thing all the way in and get a good connection. At 99% of people do that, but you've got to just plug, put the plug all the way in. Okay. And we'll just go on to some of those questions you had. Uh, my car won't charge due to charging timer has been left on. So that's a very common one that the... Uh, that the ladies in the front office get all the time. Of, no, my car won't charge. And at Nissan Leaf and an Outlander, they have a charging time set It's bloody good. Actually, it's really well designed. It's a great thing. But often you're new to an EV and perhaps the dealer hasn't noticed and they've delivered you the car and the charging time is left on. you two of the right and you've plugged it in properly. You've thread your cable out. You've plugged the car in and the car won't charge. So you immediately call us. And the first thing we will say to you is, have you turned your charging times off in your car? The customer will say, what charging timers? So we talk them through it, and you turn the charging time off, and then your car will charge. Um, that's very common on Nissan Leaf. So the owner in Japan's been efficient. They've uh, left the charging timer. The car's all the way to New Zealand. It's gone to its new new happy owner, but the charging timer's been left on. Not not such a big thing with those um, specialist DV dealers, your likes of uh, all, those, all those guys who sell a lot of EVs. It doesn't happen so much anymore, in all fairness, but it does happen more than twice a week here the handle is the handle is stuck in my car now that happens occasionally we get calls about that too it's generally a new ev owner so um what happens there particularly in some of the type two cars is that when you plug it in the car locks in place and you try and pull it out and the car won't release it so what we always recommend there is you lock and unlock the car and that will usually trigger the locking mechanism and release the car it's usually something simple as that uh, public charging lead will not charge, says it's faulty. Yes, so we get on occasion, not very often, people who have bought a Type 1 to Type 2 car and, they, and for some reason they, they won't charge, I won't charge. So it's a bit counterintuitive. When you're at a public charging station, you plug the cable into the power source and the last thing you do is plug it into the car. So if you plug it into the car first and it gets the signal that goes into the charging, some of the charges for some reason won't start. But if you do it the other way around, they will start fine. That makes sense. So you plug it into the power supply first and then into the car last. And that'll get rid of that uh, problem. That only happens once in a while. But we're in the middle of building our own EV charger here in New Zealand. Uh, we've got designs and everything for that. We're going to build them. Yeah, we're going to put a 10 amp portable in the market with a 10% sensor. We're designing it to be... Um, ultra rugged for New Zealand because we've just seen what's happened to the weather patterns uh, we've engaged a uh, Kiwi company to do it for us they're helping with the design of it um, we want it to be more robust than any other portable in the world uh, and I think we've just about got there thanks for your time that's great Paul lots of information pleasure as always <laughs>